Are you tired of spending countless hours in the kitchen every week trying to figure out what to make and constantly overspending on takeout? My guide, Well Prepped, is here to revolutionize your mealtime routine by offering you the perfect solution. Prep once, cook twice, and enjoy delicious, macro-friendly meals all week long. The food struggle is real. You want to eat well-balanced meals that taste good. You want to make most of your meals at home, but don't want to be a slave to your kitchen. You know you should be eating more protein, but don't know how in the world to get it in. You're overwhelmed with just choosing a recipe you have saved, so you end up getting takeout again. Insert well-prepped, a guide I created to take the guesswork out of efficiently making delicious, macro-friendly meals. This guide provides you with eight weeks of recipes. Each week, you'll prep once for 30 minutes, cook twice, and then enjoy eating all week. That's right. The two recipes will make you a total of six meals. I even made Instacart links for all the weekly groceries you'll need so you don't even need to think about grocery shopping. I'm all about saving time, money, and mental energy when it comes to feeding my family healthy meals, and now I get to share that with you. Grab your copy of Well Prepped at aishazaza.com. And from my kitchen to yours, cheers to eating well and being well prepped. Welcome to the Mindset Mile podcast, the show that'll leave you empowered to take action towards becoming the turned up version of your already awesome self. I'm your host, Aisha Zaza, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Jeff Bristol, whose story I know you're going to admire. You would never know by his perfect on-paper family life and background as a lifelong athlete being named an All-American wrestler in high school, advancing to the University of Davis as a Division I collegiate wrestler, and graduating with a Bachelor of Science in Sociology and Organizational Studies, that Jeff struggled with an addiction to hardcore drugs and alcohol that could have changed the trajectory of his life forever. Jeff opens up about the struggles of going in and out of rehab through his 20s to how he eventually found his way out of a quicksand-like addiction. Jeff is now the general manager and co-owner of the world-renowned gym Fitness Quest 10 in San Diego, California. He has a beautiful family with his wife, Sam, and their son, Knox. He's dedicated to his mission to change as many lives as possible through fitness, positivity, building community through his gym, and sharing a story of hope for those who may find themselves struggling with the same darkness Jeff left behind nine years ago and counting. If at the end of this episode, you can think of someone who it may serve, please, please send it to them. I hope you enjoy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Mindset Mile podcast. I am so excited to have guest Jeff Bristol on the show today. He has an amazing story that I absolutely can't wait for him to share with you. So without further ado, Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you, Aisha. I'm super, super pumped and excited to be here with you today. I am so thrilled. Thank you for joining us. I want you to tell us a little bit about your background, who you are, um, your story, and we'll go from there. Absolutely. Well, uh, first of all, I'm excited to be on here because Aisha is a personal friend of mine and I'm super proud of her and and all the amazing things that she's doing, you know, changing people's lives and, and motivating and inspiring people. So a little background on me is that I, uh, I grew up here in Southern California, Temecula, to be specific, Temecula Valley, and uh, played a lot of sports growing up and 
one of those sports that I did was wrestling and wrestling was my, my passion uh, through high school and, and, and growing up. And I think it's important to share that like my childhood was a childhood that, you know, I think would be, you know, described as the ideal childhood. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, as a family, we were, we were grinding and busy and, and whatnot, but I had amazing parents. I had amazing siblings. I, I played sports. I went to good schools and just had like an incredible experience through my upbringing and support from my parents and had a lot of opportunity to do a lot of things, you know, through, through, through school and through sports and through my family support. You know, I think the, the thing that we want to, that I want to share today, and I know that's why, you know, Asia wanted to highlight this about my background is that despite my very good upbringing and, and love and support and everything through my lifestyle in high school and college was one that included a lot of partying and that lifestyle caught up to me. And before I graduated college, I went to rehab for the first time. I I know Asia actually because I wrestled with her husband at UC Davis. And, uh, you know, so Shannon and I were friends back in college. But um, that was the beginning of a, a long, tough battle with addiction that lasted all through my, my 20s and, uh, and just about could have killed me. And, you know, could have been, I could be sitting in prison right now or, you know, could be in a very different place than I am today. So... That's kind of the two-minute, the national, two yeah, the, the elevator yeah, yeah. story. Yeah, okay, the elevator. So yeah, I want to back up just a little bit because yeah. you were you obviously made it to UC Davis as a collegiate mm-hmm. athlete and wrestler. Yeah, and so at that point, like, did you feel like you had a problem with drugs and alcohol yet? No, not at all. You know, to be honest, um, it's kind of like a, a a a curse for me. I think is that. I was definitely a somebody that did well in school without maybe even having to I wasn't the, the kid that studied all the time and got A's. I I got A's, you know, and I also did well in sports and yeah, you know, I I trained hard at those sports I did and I was I was very successful in high school as a high school wrestler. I was ranked 5th in the country as a senior in high school. You know, I my lifestyle that I start, you know, I started it's kind of like that typical story that you hear, like, you know, when you went into high school, I started drinking and smoking weed. And my personality was one that really gravitated towards that, that party lifestyle. I was always wanting to go, you know, to the parties and hang with the older crowd and had that kind of, uh, that kind of personality that was like, you know, pedal to the metal. And um, I kind of went hard in anything I did. So I was able to get away with the the drinking and the using for a long time, despite having, you know, pretty, what would you call, what you would call severe consequences as a younger person, you know, like I got a DUI in high school. I, you know, got in trouble with the law in high school. And despite some of these things, I was still getting, you know, offers from colleges for, for wrestling and I was still getting really good grades. So I was like a high performer. And I was juggling this other lifestyle that I was, that I was doing, you know, like, you know, hanging out with people that were drinking and using and partying. And so, yeah. So when would you identify that you had an issue? Was there a like rock bottom point? Yeah. 
so you know when you're young and you kind of like know everything you know, uh that's kind of like was my mentality uh through high school and, and e even going through college it was kind of like you know i'm just young uh i'm i'm just having fun you know even the times i got in some s serious trouble and stuff it was never that like i had an issue or a problem because i felt like you know i was able to mm. do a lot do a lot of other things well and um i i never really recognized an issue until i would say about my junior senior year in college when i at that point had progressed to work using more serious drugs i had some pretty down times at at that period where i remember calling my mom and dad as a as a junior in college and saying i need to come home this weekend and and i told them that i i feel like i have a problem with drugs and i feel like i told them that i'm a i feel like i think i'm a drug addict and wow um, so it was like yeah. your own discovery of yourself that you had yes. a problem it wasn't like someone yes. from the outside being like jeff you need some help no but that 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 admission was made at a low point mm -hmm. and then i mean i think denial is such a huge part of an addict and also like an addict's family you know like mm. the the parents of an addict you know it's like you always want to like not for me it was it took, even though i had periods of like awareness or had some you know at a younger age i still you know it wasn't like man i'm an addict i need help i'm gonna get right it was like i had some some moments of of awareness but i kept going back to that lifestyle for many <laughs> for many years you know and it was a long long hard battle after that first you know, my senior year in college, my my coach and my family and my teammates all kind of everybody knew the situation. You they know, did, and I was yeah, wow, hundred percent. Yeah, my senior year in college, I stopped going to practice. Lenny Zaleski, who you know, um, was my coach, and I had a special relationship with him. I still do to this day. And um, him, his wife Maria, uh, my parents. Everybody was trying to help, but didn't really know how to, you know, at that point, by my time I was a senior in college, I was using meth and heroin and wow. Um, you know, it was something that like, you know, people didn't know what to do. Right. And so they all kind of stepped in and said, Hey, like you need to go get some help. And I kind of was forced to go to rehab for the first time my senior year in college. And, um, that was the first trip to rehab. And, uh, that was like, I was 23 years old at the time. And, yeah, so that was the beginning of a long battle and throughout my 20s went, you know, in and out of rehab and jail and it was uh it was a rough road. My gosh. So I'm always I want to I want to get to the recovery part and and yeah. talk about what um your process was and and what your uh -huh. experience was like in recovering, but before that, I am just always kind of curious to know when someone progresses through using and it, you know, mm -hmm. you're using like more serious drugs yeah. did you was there a point in your head where you knew that you just shouldn't and you did anyways and like how do you I, i'm not sure what i'm trying to ask here but i'm just yeah. kind of curious like how that evolution goes because from the outside you're like drugs are bad you know you shouldn't do this like this is probably a poor decision did you have that awareness and you still just did it because you liked the feeling or was it that you or, or just explain. I'm not sure exactly yeah, like how, how yeah. to ask this question. I, I just totally am, get it. Yeah. I'm fascinated at like, not the addiction process, but I always want to know how people get to where they're at like a rock bottom like that. You know what I mean? Where you're just like yeah. in some serious 
problems totally. with like your usage. It's kind of mind blowing to me, even looking back, like going, okay, how did I become a heroin addict mm. who's sitting in jail? Like, how did I get to that point starting out? Like looking back to like my freshman year in high school where I had the world like at my fingertips and all, you know, how does that happen? It doesn't happen overnight. And also for me, like the process of, of getting sober and, and, and getting into recovery didn't happen overnight. So it was a long, gradual thing, you know, that from that first time that I maybe smoked weed or in, in eighth grade or freshman year to it just, you know, slowly but surely you kind of maybe, okay, you, you, you've, you've tried weed. And then to people like me, where I really like the feeling. And I think it's also important to understand that, like, you know, sometimes with addiction and alcoholism, it's always like attributed to, well, what is the underlying issue is, was there, you know, a, was it a, a tough childhood? Was it, is it anxiety or depression or, you know, a broken home or tough neighborhood or whatever it may be? It doesn't always have to be that, you know, like I think uh, my experience was more of one where I repeatedly experimented or used with, with substances all through my high school. I liked the way I felt when I was smoking weed. So I continued to do it with my friends. And then I tried pills and Vicodin and then I tried Coke. And then, you know, it just kind of slowly progresses. And then the people that you're hanging out with are doing those things. And then the, there's that one time where the, the people that you're hanging out with are with that other guy that has something else, maybe that yeah, you haven't tried. Yeah. I was always that person that was willing to, or wanting to try do more or try the next thing. And so over a long period through my, through my high school and then college years, and then the, the, the people I, the crowds I ran with and stuff, I just kind of progressed my, in my disease. You know, I didn't recognize it as a disease at the time, but I was, you know, steadily using drugs all through my high school and college career, despite like being on scholarship at UC Davis for wrestling and, you know, just mm -hmm. kind of living a double life there for a while. And this is like a pity really, of double life. Yeah. Like how can uh, someone be so high functioning in one area and then also be using substance in, in that way and just like breaking yeah. themselves down? That's yeah, that's wild. How did your family react when you gave them that call where you're like, I need some help? I remember my I flew home. My parents picked me up at the airport. We drove home and stopped to eat somewhere. I remember sitting them there there with my parents and telling them that like, I think I, I think I have a problem with drugs and you know, it's like parents don't know what to do. They're like, okay, so should we take them out of college and bring them home? Should we send them to rehab? You know, there's also that element of denial. And also what I did, I think on that trip home is I went home and I slept for one or two days and woke up and wasn't in that same mindset. I was two days ago when I was, had been up for several days and was really I was like, no, you know, I got to get up there, get back to school. I'm going to try yeah. and get back, you know, like, like, I'm it almost fine. feels I'm like, yeah, you're fine. Like when, when you're sober, yeah. you're like, no, I don't, I don't have an issue. Yeah. It's only when you're like using that you're like, I have an yeah. issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I was at a really low point. So I came home, opened, opened up and told him all these things. And then two days ago, two, two days later, I'm going, mom, dad, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm going to get it taken care of. I'm going to go up, go back up to school. I'm going to finish this, you know, the school year or whatever that was. I think the end of my junior year in college It's kind of hard <laughs> looking back at the, the timeline of everything, but it was definitely, that was when the conversations were starting to happen. And then I went back up to school my senior year and I just continued to progress in my disease and, and the, the using progressed. And I was at that point was like using crystal meth and heroin and um, 
you know, when you're using those types of drugs, they just take over and, you know, family or school or sports or any of that kind of stuff is just, you can't do both that there's, you know, you just can't. And so the writing was on the wall there. I think a lot of people knew, you know, it was like, I remember coach Zaleski, Mark Munoz, my, my dear friend and former college coach also was a coaching at UC Davis at the time. And those guys were kind of like, you know, they don't know what to do. They, <laughs> they don't deal with that really, you know? And so middle of my senior year, I had gotten to the point where I wasn't even going to practice anymore. And, and Lenny and Maria and my parents and team kind of just intervention. Inter- yeah. intervention on me and said, Hey, like school's not important right now. Wrestling's not even, you know, an option and you need to go and get right. And so I went to Palm Springs and went to my first rehab and spent a month there. And, but, you know, at that time I just wasn't ready to accept and change. I was 23 and still thought like I get, you know, I had to figure it out. And, you know, when, when somebody's going to make a change, not that people, there's people that get clean and sober addicts and alcoholics that get clean and sober at a young age, you know, 21, 22, 23, whatever. But I think it's fewer and farther in between where more addicts, alcoholics have to like go through a long, (laughs) you know, lots of bottoms before. And a lot of them never, never recover. You know, to be honest, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing, but alcoholism and addiction is usually, you know, there's less one out of 10 or two out of 10 hardcore addicts, alcoholics will ever, you know, really yeah get right, you know? And so, so how long would you say that took you to go from your first time in rehab to when you were just like you, there was no turning back to the life that you used to live with drugs and alcohol? Well, my first time I went to treatment was, uh, I was 23 and I was a senior in college and the last time I went, I was 29. And so during during that time, you were like sober for periods and then would go back to using. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I went to rehab. I think I went to rehab six times. Those are all between, you know, 30 and 30 days and six months. And um, I went to, I was in and out of jail also. I was like, you know, about a half a dozen trips to jail that were all, you know, two weeks to four months in length in jail, you know. So I spent... A couple of those years, 23 to 29, either in rehab or in jail. Wow. Kind of, yeah, fell off the map kind of from all those friends of mine in college and stuff. And yeah, it was, it was tough. Every time you went back, did you feel like because it didn't work the last time that you started to lose faith in the process that you could ever recover? You know, it's kind of hard to think back about the mindset that you have when you're really caught up. Um, but I do know there was a lot of ups and downs there where there might be a brief period of of sobriety. And then, you know, you are feeling good about yourself and maybe your family has hope. And But without continued, like continued sobriety, it's so easy to slip back in, especially like for me, I was in the same area with old friends and, and same, you know, behaviors. And it just, for me was a repeating cycle and it is a cycle, you know, like, it's like, they say, you know, what is the definition of insanity? It's like to keep, you know, doing the same things over and over again with that and expecting a different result. Mm -hmm. For me, it was like, I'd go to rehab, I'd get out. I wouldn't change anything. I'd still, you know, stay connected with the same people. And it's only a matter of time before I, the urge or, it's so hard to understand, you know, the, the, the tie between the, like, 
mental and physical, you know, the physiological effect that addiction has over you or it like just hijacks your brain. And it's hard to, for somebody that hasn't been in that position before to understand, but there are, you know, like the, al- the alcoholic or the addict in a family because of their behavior and kind of rightfully so, you know, gets labeled as like this terrible person, liar, thief, you know, because of all the lies and the stealing and all the other stuff that they do and maybe a bad parent or a bad partner. And it's because of that person putting alcohol or drugs in front of their family, in front of their kids or whatever, you know, it's like the parent that like abandons their kids because they're addicted to heroin. It's like, that person is a piece of shit, right? Excuse my French. Mm -hmm. But I know that there's like a good person inside that person Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. addicted, right? A good parent. There's a good parent. There's a good person. But they're incapable of being that because they're in prison. They're like hijacked by this disease, this addiction. And it's like, you know, you're, you're incapable of being that person maybe that you were meant to be like as a, as a, as a son, as a, as a daughter, as a, as a parent, as a sibling or whatever, you know, it's, it's terrible because like the drugs and alcohol define a lot of people out there, but but beneath that, there's, you know, a lot of times a really good person that doesn't get the chance to be that, to live that life. Do you feel like it's possible for someone that didn't have the same family support as you to crawl out of that hole? Or do you feel like the impact from the from your outsiders, from your peers, from your family, kind of carry you over that hump. Absolutely. And I I think, you know, the odds were always stacked in my favor, I think, because I literally had an army of people trying to pull me out of my addiction for years. You know, my my mom, my sister, my wife. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. You no. Know, you know, I have a lot of respect for there's, you know, there's a lot of people out there that maybe don't, I mean, absolutely people can pull themselves out. You know, I've seen amazing stories of, of recovery and I've been to a lot of meetings like through throughout my years, you know, meetings in in tough areas. I went to, you know, rehab in Riverside where you'd go to these AA and NA meetings and there's people up there sharing their testimony. And there's a lot of people out there that did not have, they lived in neighborhoods that, you know, you were destined for, mm-hmm. for prison or drugs, Yeah. you know? And so I, I, yeah, I've met a lot of people like that. I was like the, the other guy where like, I had the education, I had the family, I had support. I have all those resources that was trying to pull me out of that lifestyle. So it's absolutely possible. What would you tell someone that might be listening to this right now that is kind of going back and forth with like, I think I have a problem. I'm not sure what to do. And maybe that doesn't have that same support. Like what is a piece of advice from someone that you've learned that maybe didn't have the same support system as you, or just from your own experience as a user, what would you tell them? I think that the biggest, if to give yourself the biggest chance for making a change, you know, they say, how do you get sober? And this is kind of like, goes back to one of those cliche acronyms. And I know that it's a cliche acronym, but it's, it's true. You know, how do you get sober? H O W honesty, open-mindedness and willingness. So if I was somebody that was struggling, maybe didn't have the same resources. Like if you're able to be like a little bit honest with yourself or maybe somebody else 
like you maybe know somebody else that's sober or somebody else in recovery, or you may be open-minded or willing enough to go to like an AA meeting or an NA meeting and just sit there and listen. And you go there and you hear other people sharing and they're telling your same story just in a different way. It might give you that, you know, insight or opera, give yourself an opportunity to make a change. You know, I think just, it starts with like, just being honest with yourself and with others, you know? So I like that. It's simple and yeah. it's tangible and everyone has their own journey yeah. through that acronym. You know, I think yeah. with, with probably so many things, you know, not even just addiction. So I actually, I'm going to be using that with my own. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. And I remember that from, uh, you know, all those meetings I went to or times in rehab, it was like the how, like honesty, open-mindedness open and willingness. And really that's how you can kind of make changes in anything. Like, yeah. You know, like if you want to make changes in your, your fitness routine or mm. your, your, like you be a little bit honest with yourself. Okay. Like, or your mm-hmm. nutrition, like be a little bit honest. Okay. Yes. I'm, I've been not eating right and taking good care of myself. Okay. I'm, am I open-minded to like talk to a coach or go try it, go to a gym and a little willing to make some change. It's, it's definitely very applicable yeah. um, to many areas. That. And yeah. So how long have you been sober now? Nine years, Woo. <laughs> February, February 10th. Wow. Yeah, just this past month, uh, nine years clean and sober. That's amazing. So, yeah. And yeah. I, it's crazy to know you and I never knew you mm-hmm. then, but just to yeah. know you now, it feels impossible that that's your past because it <laughs> seems like a completely different Jeff than I know. And that everyone yeah. knows and loves because you are just so vibrant and infectious and positive and you've got grit and I mean you've just built such an amazing community around fitness quest 10 and I mean you've just come so far it's really hard to imagine so I love getting to know this part of your story but tell us a little bit about like how you went from last time out of rehab and you know mm-hmm. from there thereafter you were sober you're just like thriving now what were tell us about that process like what were some of the things that you went through did you ever like doubt that you would go back or mm-hmm. what do you think got you to such a rock solid place in your life now yeah so um those really dark times i i talked about there a little bit like through 23 to 29 I had a lot of low bottoms. It wasn't like a DUI or, you know, some of these, like I was like in jail looking at prison time. I was overdosing, being revived by paramedics, you know, like real low rock bottoms. And there's several, I think things that were real pivotal in in me changing my life and getting my life back on track. And one of those is my wife, Sam. Cause she's crazy. <laughs> First of all. <laughs> um, so I met my wife when I was, uh, you know, in the middle of my addiction, uh, she was good friends with my sister and she had some experience with, with addiction, like in her family history. And she also worked as a social worker and she was best friends with my sister in college. So I met her in the middle of my addiction and I was on house arrest. She came to my parents' house to meet, to see my sister and my parents and I was there on, with the ankle bracelet on and at a real low point in my life. And so I met her at that time and we, you know, established a connection. And that was the beginning of our friendship that turned into a relationship. So I uh, 
I went to jail and uh, her and I started up a conversation through the phone and through letters. And there was a time she was visiting me in jail. This was before we like got together. And um, I think she initially like connected with me because she has a big heart and she wants to train, you know, change the world. And that's like her, her social worker in her. And, and we then kind of like established a connection and which led to us kind of having this starting to date, but I was still not out of my, my old habits and lifestyle and stuff. And so my family had been doing everything they can to try and help me, save me, sending me to rehab, this and that. And I met Sam. And uh, one thing that happened in our relationship early on is like, I was still kind of falling back into my old ways. And she said, Hey, if we're going to make this work, you need to get out of your, your old neighborhood and and network and, and move out of Temecula and get down to San Diego. You can come and, you know, move in with me in Scripps Ranch where I'm living and, and we can, you know, and so that was the first time that I really kind of made a, a move towards getting my life back on track. And, you know, I, I moved down to, to San Diego to where I live now, Scripps Ranch. And that's where I was introduced to Fitness Quest 10. And uh, as you know, this is where I've been now for 10 years mm-hmm. here at Fitness Quest 10. And uh, Fitness Quest 10 has been one of the biggest things that helped me get sober and stay sober. What it provided for me was a, a community. And, you know, when I moved to Scripps Ranch, I, I didn't know have any idea, you know, what Fitness Quest 10 was or who Todd Durkin was, the, the owner founder of Fitness Quest 10 at the time. And um, I I moved down to, to San Diego, wanted to get my life back on track. I was newly sober. I, I was dating uh, my wife at the time. And I answered a Craigslist ad to come and work at Fitness Quest 10 at the front desk. And that's was the beginning of my career here. And over the last 10 years, Fitness Quest 10 has provided uh, for me, first of all, just purpose. You know, like I started working here and I was getting my life back on track and I got sober and I saw other trainers and coaches out here on the floor at, at the gym while I was working the front desk. And I just thought for the first time I was, thir- I was 29, 30 years old, you know, and, and it was the first time in my life that I like looked at something and said, Hey, you know, like this is what this, this could be my career right here. And it was tough for me. You know, one thing that addiction, it's like that cycle. It's like you lose hope more and more as, as you stay in your addiction or your alcoholism. For me, I was 28, 29 years old. I'd been battling drugs for the majority of my twenties felt just like so low about myself. Right. And I had friends of mine that were building careers and families. And I just felt, you know, like with so little hope and, uh, getting hired here and starting to work here and, and Todd Durkin, who's now my, my business partner and, good friend of mine and has been a long, long time mentor of mine, him and the team here at Fitness Quest 10 and, and this community just really inspired me to, to change my life. I, re- I really do have a special feeling about this place that, you know, has been my home for the last 10 years. And, uh, and that's because it did, it changed my life. Well, and through, through Fitness Quest 10, I feel like you changed so many people's lives. Mm-hmm. In in what you do with fitness and and just motivating people and being able to relate to to people, you know how how would you say your your past and abusing drugs and alcohol shape who you are today and the type of energy that you bring to what you do? Yeah, hundred percent. Become a tr- becoming a trainer and getting in a position to 
help people change their lives to be more healthy. And, you know, it was such a paradox or like, you know, yeah. it was such an other end of the spectrum. Like here I was like a hardcore heroin and meth addict in my later 20s. Now all of a sudden in my early 30s, I'm a trainer and coach and, you know, and so, well, first of all, just from my experience with addiction, it just, it has helped me so much from a a place of empathy and understanding and, you know, understanding the struggles that people go through that are, you know, there's this whole spectrum of struggles that, that individuals and families go through and whatnot, you know, whether it's, whether it's addiction or anxiety or, you know, relationship stuff or all, all the things that people are battling every day that you may or may not know they're battling. And when you've been through crap, when you've been through adversity and, and people know that, that was one thing about when I started here as a trainer at Fitness Quest 10, I was pretty open about my past, you know, and because of that, you know, people have always been very open to opening, you know, been very honest with me about the struggles that they're facing or going through. And it's put me in a position to be very, you know, understanding about that parent that I'm training that, you know, has a kid who's going through challenges. You know, I look at them, I see like my mom. So I've had the opportunity through my role here as a, a trainer, a coach, a mentor of, to use my experience to help other people with different challenges they're going through. Mm -hmm. I love that. So that being said, does that mean you would go back and change anything about your past? (laughs) You know, I've got, I, I've gotten that question before, obviously, like just about, you know, like, would you go back and, and take that all back? Because, you know, it's, it um, was an extended period of time of major suffering for me and my family. There was a period in time with my parents where the physical, emotional, financial toll that it took on them, they both were like zombies, right? Which led to them having health issues and financial stress. I drained my parents for years, you know, financially and emotionally. So like looking back and wanting to take those back. It's kind of like, man, I wish I didn't torture them or put them through that. And for myself as well, it's like, you know, I dug myself into this major hole for so I was taking so many steps backwards for years, you know, like physically when I was 29 years old, I had nothing, you know, no employment history, no financial. I, I was tens of thousands of dollars in debt and court fines and I had a record that, you know, a lengthy record of multiple felonies. So that's just like, you know, all that stuff that was really put me back and put my family back. And, but the experience that I've got from going through those challenges and the experience that my family as a whole has been through, you know, my sister today, my sister was one of my biggest advocates for years. I, she's, we're 20 months apart. We're she's like a best friend to me. And She's now like a, you know, she's, she got, she's a, an attorney and, you know, she's my, my sister, my parents, we have the ability to understand, empathize and, and just have a different perspective on life Mm -hmm. from like the second chance that we've all been given. Granted that I've, you know, there was a lot of shitty times that I, I remember back to my parents for year, you know, for years, just not being able to cope with life, Mm. you know? And, but now today it's like, we have a, 
a different perspective on life. And that you don't get that just by reading books. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Walking through the park. No. Yeah. You have to, you have to experience things, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's tough stuff that you have to experience to, to gain a different perspective or understanding about things. And that's what we've all been given, I guess, you know, it's, it's a blessing now, I guess, but it was a long, hard road during those years. Wow. I love, I love that. I love your, your second chance and that you, you really do take full advantage of that every single day. It's clear just in the way that you live your life, the way that you show up for work, the way that you show up for your family and for your friends. I mean, you're just one of the most loving, caring guys that I know. And so I'm just so happy for you. And I'm so happy that you were able to share your story with us. And is there anything else that you would want to add or something that you don't get asked about this type of journey that you would love to share? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, I think we all have somebody in our in our community or in our network that that battles, whether it's addiction or anxiety or, or whatever. And, um, you know, for me, it was about finding a purpose and finding a community. That's a lot what, you know, Fitness Quest 10 has provided me over the years is a community of people that support each other and lift each other up. And, and um, it's kind of like that iron sharpens iron type of a mentality here with, with me and my team. And, and so, you know, if you're battling, you know, find that community, find that, you know, those people, whether it's a mentor or a community and uh, it could be church or AA or a gym or whatever it is. And that's, you know, I think something that played a big impact on me. And, you know, if there's, anybody out there that ever wanted to connect with me i'm I'm, i always love to connect with people on uh social media or in person and if you're in san diego please come visit me at fitness quest 10 i'm here every day it's such a cool gym yeah i was just gonna say tell us where we can find you where can they find you in person and online absolutely so fitness quest 10 is here in sunny san diego and if you're ever in town for a vacation or whatever just pop in it's a great great atmosphere culture and um, there's always a lot of fun going on here and so definitely come see me in person but also connect with me online at bristol fit on instagram is it probably the best way and always looking to connect with other people out there other other trainers or coaches or people that are struggling or whatever it may be love that love that find your community I love yep. that. Thank you so much, Jeff. I appreciate everything that you shared today. I hope that this serves just the people that need to to hear it. So appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Aisha, for having me on. So proud of you. Aw, thank you. Mile. <laughs> yeah, changing lives. Oh, yeah. well, that's that's all we can do here, you know? That's right. That's right. All right. Well, we'll talk to you soon, Jeff. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks, Aisha. Bye.